Hello and welcome to the DFS Coach Talk podcast. It is Tuesday, March 31st. I am Andrew Hansen, and I am very excited to be joined by the one and only Santino Cacone. And our DFS Coach Talk listeners have heard him once before. He came on with Mr. Apatria, but now I get the pleasure of joining Santino for a podcast. So, Santino, how are you? I'm doing fine. Thank you, Andrew. And uh, the pleasure is all mine. This is my first podcast with you, and I'm I'm very excited. I've, <laughs> well, I've been listening to you lately, and uh, yeah, I'm very excited to, to talk basketball with you. Well, thanks. We'll, we'll see about that, because <laughs> our listeners should know about our backgrounds here as we join forces, because Santino <laughs> is a, is a, he grew up a Lakers fan, and I grew up a Celtics fan, so I am a little concerned here how this is going to go. I don't know. Do you think we're going <laughs> to going to be able to get through this together in one piece i think we could be civilized if you just admit that after the merger the lakers have been the best franchise in sports <laughs> I, don't, I don't think i'm ready to do that i just you know i went to uh wikipedia today just to make sure i had the numbers straight and i believe it is 17 16 in nba championships right now yes currently it's 17 16 uh if we if we get back on track for this season it's probably going to be tied up but if we get rid of those unrealistic Bill Celt- Bill um, Russell teams, the, the Celtics teams, and we go strictly with the ABA and NBA merged, uh, there's there's a 10-4 Lakers lead, and I'll, I'll live with, I'll live with that. I'll die with that. I'll die Interesting. on that mountain. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, some of those Lakers championships were they weren't even in LA, right? They were Minneapolis Lakers. Do those count? Yeah, there, there was about three or four that were in Minneapolis. I mean, they, they count them as the standings. If we're not, I, I don't want to personally count them same way I was just saying the Bill Russell <laughs> championships. No, we got to so, count the Russell championships. <laughs> we're not going to count one. I can't count both. But yeah, I, I guess if we're going for the totality, it's 17-16. But that, that's without LeBron having his say this year and possibly next year. Well, I mean... All right, I can live with that. So we're 17-16, and what I would love to see is just imagine if they met in the finals this year. That would be epic. Yeah, that would be crazy again. Uh, so, yeah, I'm no, I know we were talking a couple days ago, and you asked me if I lived through the Magic and Bird era. I unfortunately didn't. I, I've watched all the highlights. I've read the same – or watched the games, read the reviews, and read the uh, news articles. It's not the same as living through it, but I did get to see the Kobe – and Pow and and Odom and everybody go against the big three in the Celtics and they went one and one. So that was my big Celtics Lakers exposure. Okay. Yeah, I'm not remembering the the most recent matchup, but I know in 08 the good guys won. The good guys. <laughs> the Celtics. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I I still am a little sour of that of that finals because uh I still don't like and I don't know how Paul Pierce went out on a stretcher. And then all of a sudden, two minutes later, came back and was just draining threes. I, I don't. I, I'm still baffled on why he did that or how that happened. And that one game where Leon Poe had more free throw attempts than the entire Lakers team. That was a little fishy. I want an officiating challenge. I know there was uh, some officiating things going on back then with gambling and Donahue. So I don't. I don't know. That, that's a little fishy to me. That's an yeah, asterisk. That- that Leon Poe free throw thing is a little <laughs> bit strange, and and I'll admit the the Pierce wheelchair thing didn't quite age, um, you know like like it like it could have. Um, yeah. 
but you know oh no you go oh i was just gonna say it didn't it didn't really quite age like the willis reed return to the court or some of the days like when larry bird would basically break his back on the floor and come back later in the game i mean that just didn't work out quite so well yeah it was just it was just a weird thing this one because he was in so much pain it looked like and then he how do you he went off in a wheelchair and came back (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I respect Willis Reed, but not not Pierce for that one. If right. it was against, if it wasn't against the Lakers, maybe I'd like it a little more. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, you said you were still sour about that. Believe it or not, I'm still a little bit sour about it because in that 08 season, I was I lived like two blocks from the Garden, and I oh, went wow. to a bunch. Yeah, I was a shared season ticket holder. I went to a bunch of games, but I didn't have a ticket to the the final game where they clinched, and I was outside the Garden that day with 500 bucks in my pocket, ready to buy a ticket, <laughs> but I couldn't even find a ticket. I could not buy, I couldn't buy a seat anywhere, even for 500 bucks. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, I was I was devastated. I had to watch it from one of the bars uh, down the street. It's funny, because I'm, I'm, I live in Connecticut. I was born in Connecticut, and Celtics are, them and the Knicks are the two closest teams, but I just don't like the Celtics. It's just... <sighs> is what it is it's it's weird how that happened but i do i will admit there's one time in my life that i rooted for the celtics i will put that on record okay and i went i went really hard for the celtics uh back in i think it was 2010 it might it was the first year that lebron wade and bosh did that whole um joining up in miami and we had the whole the decision on espn that left right. a sour taste in my mouth and it was a i think it was the first round or the second round i can't remember but the Heat and the Celtics face off, and I got a ticket with me and my buddy got a ticket to the Celtics game. I was like, oh, I can't. It was it was about a. We had the nosebleed seats, but it was it was worth it for a playoff game to see that team, both of those teams going up. It was like the Celtics' last stand against the big three that just joined, and um, I think it was game three or four. I can't remember exactly, but I was going really hard for the Celtics that game. I just wanted to see um, that happen, and they wound up winning and. It, it was a really great moment. I spent about two hours of, of my life rooting for the Celtics, and those are the only two hours that I can admit that I ever did that. But it was fun. <laughs> well, we appreciate that. Uh, I think I was at that game, actually, or at least one of those home games. But that was the series that the, ended up, the Celtics ended up losing, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was a rough one because I thought, I thought Boston should have won that series. That was when Rondo was really rolling. But yeah, Rondo was on fire. That somehow they couldn't get it done. That was that was rough. So we were aligned at that point. That's good to know. Yeah, yeah just for two hours we were aligned. But then, <laughs> then after the game, I got back in, into reality and said, "Oh, okay." <laughs> I think I think it was just because I was in Boston for a playoff game. It wasn't. It was against the the bad guys of the NBA at that time because it left right. a sour taste in everybody's mouth. And it was just, you know what? If I'm going to root for Boston. This will be the only time. <laughs> yeah, well, that's good. So we, well, we, we are realigned here today for this uh, DFS Coach Talk podcast. And as we've been doing, we've been covering two NBA teams per show recently. And wouldn't you know it, today we're going to be covering the Celtics and the Raptors. So um, I'm going to handle the Celtics um, because you've said such kind words about them recently. <laughs> we're just going to quit while we're ahead here. I'm not going to have you... <laughs> take the lead on the Celtics. You'll you'll take the lead on the Raptors. But, Sounds good. Yeah. So 
Speaking of rivalries, I mean, they have a bit of a rivalry right now in the standings. Uh, Toronto, 46 and 18. Boston, 43 and 21. And this is a race that I've been paying close attention to all season because earlier in the season, I want to say about a third of the way into the season, maybe just before the halfway point, I was looking on DraftKings and they had the division odds up. And this is back when Philly was still leading the division. And I just did not think Philly was going to win. I I thought they were going to struggle. I thought the Celtics were going to make a run, possibly Toronto. And they, they didn't have a bet option where you could just bet on Philly not to win the division. So they didn't have the, the no bet. They only had the yes bets. And <laughs> well, that's funny. So Boston and Toronto had plus odds. And I calculated that if you bet on both of those teams the same amount, and if one of them won the division, you'd get a 20% return. But oh, wow. I didn't end up betting on both teams. I only bet on the Celtics. <laughs> so – I need them to win the division, but they're three games back. And we don't know if we're going to have more regular season action. And kind of a you know, side question is, if there is no more regular season, what's going to happen to that bet? They might just refund all of those division bets because the season was cut short. But let's say they get back into some regular season action. I'm trying to figure out if there's any chance the Celtics can track down the Raptors um so what's your overall take on that because i know i'm a little bit biased yeah i was gonna say i wonder if you chose not to do the raptors and guarantee yourself 20 percent because of the little bias but i mean if you believe the celtics were gonna win then i would just go with the one two and while you were talking it's it's funny who before the season i wonder what the raptors division odds or even top three in the the east would have been for the payout because you would have the Celtics were a favorite. The Sixers were the easy favorite. And the Raptors just lost their best player and replaced him with nobody, essentially. And for them to come out and be the second best team in the East, the third best team overall in the NBA, is just insane. And I will get to that in a little bit. But they've missed – everybody on their on their team has missed a little bit of time, like from Siakam all the way down to Matt Thomas. So everyone in that entire rotation – Nobody's played every game except for Terrence Davis and OG missed one game and that's it. Everybody else at least missed five, six games or a handful of games, which is crazy to think that this team is up there. But as far as if the Celtics can catch the Raptors, yes, they're they're only three games back, so they have a chance, but it's going to be tight. Um, that's assuming that we come back to the season and they play all 18 games. They both have 18 games remaining. They have the better they have a better chance of making it obviously with more games. But if we dwindle it down to fifteen games, less odds for or less odds there. If if there's only ten games, I can't see the Celtics um, taking it. If there's only ten games remaining, that means at the very worst, say the Ra- the Raptors are forty six and eighteen overall right now. So we'll give them at the very worst a five hundred record in ten games, five and five. That means the Celtics would have to go eight and two just to tie the Raptors and hope for the um, like that the tiebreakers work out. But I was looking at it. Um, the Celtics are one in, or two and one against the Raptors on the season. And there's one game remaining between them. I'm assuming if they come back and they cut games, they're not going to cut a division game like that. So I'm assuming they will play w- one more time against each other. And if the Celtics are going to win the division, they have to win that game. 
Uh, they can't possibly lose that game. If they win that game, they get a game up, or they're only two games back with not however many games are left. But then they'll they'll have the head-to-head tiebreaker record over the the Raptors, and they'll need that if they want to win. If the Raptors win and they go two to two, then if they do tie at the end of the season, it'll go to division um, the division record. And the Raptors currently have a game and a half lead over the division. If they beat the Celtics head-to-head, that's two and a half. It's just there's not enough games to come back, and it's not like the Raptors are gonna just go on a big losing streak like that. So the Celtics are going to have to either win eight-plus games and beat the Raptors in that head-to-head, or the Raptors are going to have to lose more than 500% of their games. Okay, so yeah, I like that breakdown. Wow, we are still well-aligned here 20 minutes into this podcast. <laughs> I like this. So, uh, first of all, I agree with you completely. Before the season, I don't remember what the division odds were, but you got to figure Toronto was 6-1 six, six to one or longer. Yeah. Um, so that would have been a ter- terrific investment. Um, even, even the Nets, they probably were higher ranked than the Raptors. I'm, yep. I'm look because they got they they finished very good last year. I think they were the seventh seed, and um, then they got Kyrie Irving and Durant. I know Durant wasn't going to play, but they get Kyrie Irving, they get DeAndre Jordan. You'd have to think that they coming into the season they had a lot more momentum than the Raptors, who just lost their best player. So I mean, the Raptors could have been. They're at, at the very best, they were the third best odds to win the division, but they could have been fourth. I'm not even going to include the Knicks because um, maybe me and you and a couple people <laughs> might outplay the Knicks. No, that's <laughs> <laughs> possibly. <laughs> We'd certainly be smaller and quicker than uh, all those power forwards. Um, right. But I also agree with you on the on the numbers there, and I was I was looking at the next ten games that were on the schedule to see what would happen if if we got ten more games, and I do think Boston would have a chance because their schedule is a lot easier. They do have that one head-to-head matchup against Toronto, and they do play Milwaukee. But listen to these eight other games for Boston. They get to play Washington, Chicago, New York, Brooklyn, Washington, Memphis, Portland, and Minnesota. So oh, wow, they could easily go. Nine and one, or maybe if they slip up against one of those non-playoff teams, they go eight and two. And I could see Toronto going five and five because, in addition to that Celtics game, they have to play at Philly, they play Denver, your Lakers, and they play Milwaukee. And then their only five easier matchups are Detroit, Golden State, New York, Memphis, and Memphis. And maybe we'd get, maybe Memphis would get one win out of that back-to-back, but. Uh, so that's the thing. I'm really hoping for yeah. 10 games. I'm hoping for um, Boston to chase them down. And the other thing that's interesting, just looking at that 10-game schedule, can you believe that as, as we sit here right now on March 31st, if the NBA season was still going, the Celtics would have already played those 10 games? That We've already missed 10 games. Yeah, that's, that's crazy to think about. Yeah, it's just been such a blur. And Toronto has would have played nine of those games. They would have played Milwaukee tomorrow, uh, April 1st. So yeah, They're um, definitely going to have to cut games because we had a month left to go in the season. I know there was 18 or so, give or take, depending on the team, games left, and there was a month of basketball left. So they're going to have to cut games. And after you just broke down the schedule, uh, the Celtics have an easy, easy way to go that eight and eight and two that I just mentioned. So it's it and this and the Raptors have a harder schedule. So it could come to fruition. It's gonna come down to that head-to-head matchup. If the right. Raptors win, they get that's like a that's a two-game swing right, swing right there. If the Celtics win, same two-game swing. Um, so it's it 
pretty much going to come down to that game and then how they play afterwards. But if, if the Raptors win, they can lock up the division. If the Celtics win, it just got very interesting. It's on. It's going to be yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. It's gonna All right. Be well, on. fingers crossed that we get those 10 regular season games or more for every team so we can enjoy the rest of what was a really exciting NBA regular season with a lot of parody. Um, but these are we, we have the the joy here of breaking down two of the best teams in the NBA, two of the top three in the East. And I do want to let you kick it off, Santino, with a breakdown of Toronto. So what are the, some of the things that are standing out for you as you look at Toronto's season and as you look at um, the future whenever we get some basketball back? Yeah, so um, started I started touching on it a little bit. So last year, um, we'll go we'll we'll backtrack it a little bit because Messiah the Messiah as I like to call him now <laughs> uh, of of the NBA executive office has I don't know what he's what he does or what is going on through his mind, but this guy deserves all the recognition he can get. He showed it everywhere he's been so far that, that he turned the Nuggets into a contender. Um, he built, he, he drafted Jokic and all these people, a lot of the players that are over there now. He's, he's turning every franchise around. He came to the Raptors. It was kind of a, oh, he came to the Raptors. Is he, is he going to turn them around? And then they got really good. They had DeRozan and Lowry for a while, and they couldn't get past, they, they couldn't get past the Cavs. It was just a thing. And then last year, yeah, last year he decided, you know what, let's let's make a big big splash. Got rid of Coach Casey. I love Dwayne Casey. I think he's a, a really good coach. Um, but he got they got rid of him and they replaced him with their bench coach, Nick Nurse, who I don't know if anybody even knew about him. I personally didn't know about him. I thought it was I was like, oh, I don't know who he is. I don't know what he's gonna do, but I will get to him in a second. And then they got rid of DeRozan and they took a chance on Kawhi Leonard. A one-year half, one-year rental. They took a chance on him, knowing that he's probably not going to resign, and the only way they're going to probably resign him is to win a championship and then hope for the best. Um, they did win the championship, but they hoped and he he left. So then they they traded DeRozan for Kawhi and Kawhi leaves, but I don't. They're still great, and this guy Nick Nurse, who I didn't know of a couple years ago, is. One of the, if not, he has to be a top five coach right now. And I don't see another coach in the last two years that's on his level besides maybe Mike Budenholzer. But Budenholzer and the Bucks have a better team. They have Giannis. This this year is, I don't, we, we were saying it before, the, they were maybe third, they were at least third in the division to win the division in the odds, maybe fourth. And they're the third best team in the, in the league right now. And they've had people miss every significant player on their team has missed time you start with siakam siakam went from he has a lot of potential to now he's a, a stud uh he's only played 53 of 64 games he, he's missed 11 games this year kyle lowry has missed 12 games this year fred van fleet has missed 16 games this year uh norman powell has missed 20 games this year ibaka has missed 14 games this year marcus Gasol has missed half the season um, th- those are their big players. It, the only regular that's hasn't missed much time this year is OG Anunoby, and he's only missed one game. But in a usage standpoint, you're not going to give the ball to OG Anunoby and, and and know he's going to take care of your team. Right. So for for them to be third in the standings and their top five players have missed a combined, uh, I'm not even going to do the ad- adding right here, but their top five players have missed at least 12 game, 11 games at the minimum. That's insane. Uh, to 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 do what he's done, 
and what he, Nick Nurse has done throughout his two professional seasons. He's won a, he's won a championship, and he has his team who were before the season they were borderline playoff contenders after losing their best player, and now they're the second best team in the in the East. Um, kudos to him, and I can't say enough about him and the Messiah for turning everything that they do around. They, I know the the Knicks were looking at trying to get the Messiah there next year. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to happen now that they have Leon Rose. But if anybody's going to turn that franchise around and do it with Dolan there, this guy can do it, and he he's proven it. Yeah, but, um, you, you've got to give a, yeah. you got to give a lot of credit to him. I, and I love your nickname of the Messiah. <laughs> Guys, just making every move. It's like every move he makes, everything he touches turns to gold. Yeah, uh, you know. Casey is, you know, coach of the year caliber player, coach of the year caliber coach. And then Masai says, you know, no, we're going to let him go because it's just it's not the right mix. And Nurse comes in there, you, you know, this under the radar, lower level college coach. And he comes in mixing in all these zone defenses, box and one, triangle and two, whatever it takes and he's just getting it done. It's like the perfect perfect combination. And, you know, he had, he, like you said, he had the courage to get rid of DeRozan, bring in Kawhi, even if it was for a, a rental. Uh, it's just, you're, you're right. I mean, any other organization like the Knicks, you know, they should pay big money and, and offer a percentage of ownership. And, you know, the, I guess they and, and Washington really kind of went down that path and they weren't able to snag him. So Toronto, very fortunate to still have that duo together. Yeah, it's it's. I'm gonna steal a phrase from uh, my good friend Mike Patria. You hit the nail right on the head with Coach Casey and uh, Coach of the Year because he actually won Coach of the Year the year prior, and then they got right. rid of him. And there's right. not many <laughs> there's not many people with the gall to say get rid of a coach who just won an, an award for being the best coach in the league. It's just Seriously. you don't get that. And yeah, he I don't know what his things are, but every move he makes. We questioned the Kawhi Leonard trade. All analysts and everybody everywhere were like, oh, did, did they just trade DeRozan for a, a year rental of Kawhi? Is, is uh, Messiah, is he is he like trending down now? Does he know what he's doing? But he knows what he's doing, and everything he does hits is is just – he's hitting every button correctly. And um, Nick Nurse, you, you mentioned it about all the zone defenses and everything. And before I get into the player usage – I will say Nick Nurse has shown that the Raptors, no matter who's on the court, because as I mentioned, everybody's been hurt. Uh, they've they have one of the top three defenses in the league, and if you look at all the statistics, they're they're top two in in everything. I'll just go through a quick list of stuff that I I looked at and stuff that I have on them. Um, whether you're going from top or bottom, they're in the top two in opponents three point percentage. They're first. They they give up the least. Um, three-point percentage in the league, um, and they give up the they team shoot the second least three-pointers against them, and that's that's just huge in on its own in today's NBA where there's stretch bigs, everybody's stretching the floor, floor spacing is huge. It's it's become the modern NBA team. Um, there's run and gun styles. If you're giving up, if you're having opponents shoot the least amount of threes and make the least amount of threes on those sh- shots that they take, that just that's huge for your defense. And then you uh. They're top two in the league in opponents' offensive rebounds. So not only are they not letting teams make three-point shots on them or even taking them, they're not giving up offensive rebounds. They're not giving up second-chance opportunities. Um, they're top five, bottom five in the league in opponents' assists. So they're not letting you move the ball around and score easy buckets. 
They're second in the league in turnovers, first in the league in um, opponents' field goals made, second in the league in defensive rating, second in the league in steals, second in the league in opponents' points. I can go on in the paint. I can go on and on, but this team has <laughs> – like they're insane on defense, and that's why they are so good. That's why it, whoever's in that lineup, they could be – Pascal Siakam could miss 11 games as he, as he has. Kyle Lowry could miss 12 games. Van Fleet could miss 16 or so. Ibaka, Gasol, everybody can miss all this time, but Nick Nurse has implemented a defensive scheme for his team that no matter who is on the court, they're going to be in games because they can hold the opponent to uh, levels that are very hard to, to beat on, and then they have people who can score. So it's just that that is one reason why they are so good, and that is one reason we did not see coming before the year because they did lose their best player and the be- one of the best defenders in the league in Kawhi Leonard, and it seems like their defense got better. Uh, that's a credit to Nick Nurse and what he's done in his year plus in this on this team. Oh, those are, that's a phenomenal breakdown of the defensive side of the ball. All I'd written down for them defensively was that they were second in rating, as you mentioned, but <laughs> It's great to have all those other stats, all those different ways where they're just dominant. So yeah. I'm going to – I mean, I wasn't targeting opponents against Toronto much, but for the three-point shooters, that's a great reminder that you really don't necessarily want to play a three-point shooter against Toronto. They're going to shut him down. They're not even going to let him get the shot off. Yeah, definitely. You don't – that was what I was going to touch on. You don't want to play good three-point shooters against Toronto because, yeah, they're, they're giving up the – second least three-point attempts and they're the best team defending the three-point lane because they're not giving up shots made and and same thing with big men traditional big men who don't stretch the floor because they're giving their top two in the league and um not they don't give up offensive rebounds they don't give up points in the paint and they're not letting teams get baskets on assists and big men who are traditional big men need those assists need the points in the paint so it's just a lot of if i see toronto on the on the DFS slate and you're going against them odds are, unless it's a small state or slate, I'm going to stay away from you because this team has shown that they can lock down anybody. And it doesn't matter who's in the lineup because this is with all these injuries. All hail Nick nurse. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All hail Nick nurse. And um, after all the accolades that I've thrown out on their defense, their offense is pretty good as well. Um, As we know, Siakam's the big, the big dog here. He's the alpha dog. He has a 29% usage rate. And I could break it down on when so-and-so is out of the lineup, then this is their usage and whatnot. But it's kind of hard because this team, as I mentioned multiple times, this team had so many injuries and every significant player has missed so much time. It would take, I would be throwing so much different usage at you. It, it, uh, It would probably take 20 minutes or so. But uh, we'll we'll go with when everybody's healthy. Siakam's the big dog, no matter what, when he's in that lineup. Lowry's number, Lowry's actually number three, which very surprised me. I will get to who's number two, but Lowry's number three with a 23% usage. Um, Fred Van Fleet four with 22.4% usage. Powell's number five with a 21.6% usage. Those are the big four. Um, OG's there. He's just a role guy. He doesn't get much usage. Terrence Davis. RHJ and Gasol, they're they're more for when the team is injured, you can look at them and they're if they're getting minutes. Same with Patrick McCaw. But number two on the usage rate, and I did not know this before looking it up, but is Serge Ibaka at a 24.3% usage rate. I did not know his usage was this high on the team. Um, maybe it had to do with when 
Siakam was hurt and Gasol was hurt at the same time, and Ibaka was getting all the the usage down low. But he's number two. He's higher than Lowry and Van Fleet, and I did I wouldn't have expected that. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, it's a bit of a surprise. I think the other factor is probably all those games earlier in the season when Gasol was playing. If Ibaka's coming off the bench, then he comes in as that six man, and he is relied on as a offensive punch off the bench. So he gets more of the usage there when he's on the court. Yeah, that makes sense. And um, yeah, those are the big five, Siakam, Lowry, Van Fleet, Powell, Ibaka. Those are the big five that you're going to touch upon, especially when the team is healthy. Um, it varies on who's going to get a good game. If, if Van Fleet's out or Lowry's out, Powell jumps up. Same with if Van Fleet's in or Lowry's out. It all depends on who's in, who's out, and this team has been in and out of the lineup all year. So you have to pay close attention to who's in and who's out for how you want to attack the DFS slate. But Siakam is always a guy, no matter who's in the lineup, that you're going to want to target. And as far as pace-wise, the team is – the Raptors are middle of the pack. They're, they're 14th at 100.87 pace. Um, so they're not fast. They're not slow. They're just – very good um, at basketball. They play a normal pace, and they lock down defensively. Um, as They do shoot the three ball well. They're top seven in the league in three points made, uh, three points taken, and three-point percentage. So if, when especially Powell has shown that he's a sharp shooter, he's, pro- he's the best three-point shooter on the team, when he's getting more significant run and uh, Van Fleet or Lowry are out, Powell is definitely a guy to target because he takes a lot of threes, and he makes a lot of threes at an efficient rate. <laughs> and he's really was it, good on was that. Was it Patrick Ewing who said we make a lot of money, but we spend a lot of money too? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. And uh, I like that one. You you need money to or you need to or you have to have money if you can spend it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then their true shooting percentage is, is top ten in the league. Same with field goals made on assisted baskets. So this this team is a team. In all sense of the word, they everybody plays defense. Everybody locks down on that. Every they move the ball well, and they hit their open shots. So in in a team sense, whatever we thought coming into the year, this team has proven that they are much better than we thought they were last year, with or without Kawhi Leonard. They are a gelled and ready to roll team. So if I'm gonna if you're gonna attack anybody on the lineup, it's it's the big five. And I was looking at their how the how they would shape up to next year because I know some of these pods we've been talking about contracts a little bit. So Ibaka's coming off the books next year. Gasol's coming off the books next year. Fred Van Fleet's coming off the books next year. Most of the team is coming off the books. The only people that are left on the books are Siakam, who just signed that big extension. It kicks in next year at 29 million. Lowry's in an expiring 30 million year. Um, Powell's got 10 million, and he has another year after that. And then nobody else. Oh, OG Onunobi has a very cheap contract. And then everybody else is either uh, deep, deep reserve or off the books. So this team might look very different next year again, but they'll have a ton of money to resign anybody that they need to. Yeah. And I think for that reason, this team is going to really push this year down the stretch and, and try to get one more run at a title while they're still together. Um, great stats there. Great information. I want to follow up on one point you made about the Toronto Raptors when they're on offense shooting their three pointers. And I also noticed Powell uh, taking a lot and making a lot. <laughs> <laughs> he averaged, he's got a 39.8 percentage uh, clip from three point distance. He, he makes 2.1 per game. He attempts 5.4 per game. And two other guys jumped out 
around that 40% range for Toronto. Uh, Gasol is actually 40.2%. He doesn't shoot quite as much, but he makes 1.4 a game, attempts 3.5. And Ibaka similarly is 39.8%. He attempts 1.3 per game. He make uh, he shoot he makes 1.3 out of 3.3 per game. And this is just one tiny little edge in their favor on DraftKings, where you get the the, bo- the bonus for making a a three point attempt. Um, but uh, you know, Powell is the one guy that I haven't played as much probably as I should have this year in DFS. Uh, you know, I've played I've played him some when uh, one of those other guards was out, but there are lots of folks out there who play him almost religiously when. Uh, Lowry or Van Vliet is out and you know knowing that Powell shoots 40% from deep and then he makes two three-pointers a game is just one more reason that I think I will play him more down the stretch if we get some more regular season action here yeah I mean he's a guy who the beginning of his career the first two and a half years or so he wasn't efficient wise but the last two years he's been almost a 50% shooter from the field. And that's for a shooting guard or small forward, tweener, wing type player. That's fantastic, especially for a guy who takes a lot of threes. And to emphasize the point that this team makes a lot of their threes, the exact opposite of the three points that they give up on defense is Powell's actually fourth on the team in three points made per game, which and he's averaging over two a game. Uh, you have Lowry at 2.9 a game. He's not as efficient, but he chucks him. Fred Van Fleet is also not efficient, but he's at 2.7. Siakam's third at 2.2. He's not as efficient either, but he's he's creeping up to like 37%. And then there's Powell at 2.1 per game, but he's fourth on the team, and he's a sharpshooter. And the funny thing is nine players on the Raptors average over a three per game, nine they don't even play nine people a lot of the time, but nine people, <laughs> nine people on their team when they're in the game and and they play, they average over a three per game. So they are lethal from three, and just like I said, that they can't, they don't give up threes, they they make them. Yeah, you know that's funny. Um, the way you describe the depth of their three point shooters kind kind of reminds me of the team I'm going to cover today, the Celtics. And I'm, yeah, but I'm look, the Raptors yeah, yeah. are just a little bit better. well let's see let's let's break it down let's talk about some of these numbers on the Celtics side um and you mentioned how Toronto has really gelled as a team under nurse and Boston has some very strong team stats and tendencies as well they are you know and and I have to laugh because you mentioned how Toronto was a top three defense in a lot of ways and I just wondered, maybe that's because Boston is ranked fourth in defensive rating. You didn't <laughs> want to include them in that same group. But Boston, just a couple ticks behind defensively. They're fourth in, in defensive rating. But in terms of offensive, effic- offensive efficiency, Boston is seventh in the league, which gives them that magic designation of being top ten on offense and defense. Yeah. And there's only four teams in the NBA right now who can lay claim to that um that ranking and it's boston milwaukee bucks lakers yep. uh nuggets maybe nope uh the clippers uh, i was i was gonna say the clippers but i didn't yeah. they, they've had their superstars miss so many games i wasn't sure yeah so you got to be boston and milwaukee or you got to play in the staples center if you want to be in that group. <laughs> <laughs> so um, <clears throat> that's the quartet there. And I actually think those are the four most likely teams to get to the finals. 
no big surprise to say that Lakers and Clippers are most likely to come out of the West, but you, you, you have seen that as a trend in recent years in the NBA. You, you have the NBA champion who's top 10 in offense and defense. So something to keep an eye on. Um, when we look at the Celtics, um, you know, it's, it's those top four starters where the, the analysis usually starts and has throughout the season. Tatum, Kemba Walker, Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward. And one of the reasons we think of those as the real big four is because if they're playing, those guys are starting. We know that. And they've started a bunch together. Um, but they've also missed a bunch of games. Uh, Tatum has missed the fewest. He's only missed five. But Kemba has missed 14 games. Jalen Brown has missed 14. And Hayward has missed 19. And one of the big themes throughout the season has been, what do we do with the Celtics when one of those guys is out of the lineup? And I'm going to get back to that here a little bit later. But um, there, there's when they do play together, they're so balanced and it's hard to differentiate them. They all average between 17 and 23 points per game. And then if you look at their fantasy points per game on DraftKings, there's really not a huge separation in terms of their average. Tatum certainly is the the highest on on DraftKings. He averages 41.42 fantasy points. But then looking at Kemba and Jalen and Hayward, Kemba averages 37. Jalen Brown averages 34.58 and Hayward averages 34.14. So a couple takeaways there is there really isn't much of a difference between Kemba and Hayward on any given night, but they're usually priced, you know, with with quite a gap in between them. So um, if if all four of them are playing, I don't really like Kemba as much. Um, another thing I looked at with those four is, you know, which one which ones of these guys have more of, of a ceiling game? And it turns out that Jalen Brown does not have ceiling games. No matter what, he's the only guy out of that four who doesn't have a single game of 50 fantasy points or more. He's had, yeah, he's had a bunch, you know, mid 40s, high 40s, but none of 50 or more. So for me, that screams cash guy because you he's very consistent. Yeah. Yeah. So if you if you take a step back and look at you know, how many of these games are these guys over 40 points? It does sort of go as according to what you might think. Hayward has 15 out of 45. Jalen Brown has 18 out of 50. Kemba has 20 out of 50. And Tatum has 33 out of 59. So he's, he's you know, more often than not, he's over 40 fantasy points. And then with that 50-point marker or higher, as I mentioned, Jalen Brown has zero Hayward has four, Kemba has nine, and Tatum has 15. So Tatum is the guy that really is more often giving you that ceiling game. Uh, Again, that's not a huge surprise, but, you know, he is priced a lot higher. And and certainly in the last month or so, his prices across the industry have have gone up pretty consistently. Um, Before I get into the breakdown of who's on the court and who's off the court, I wanted to throw a fun little stat in there. Um, guy I haven't mentioned yet is Marcus Smart. Um, 
we we often target him for his defense. We talk about how crucial he is, not only from a statistical standpoint, but you know, drawing charges and, and helping to contribute to that number four ranked defense. But um, I wanted to ask you, who if if you were thinking of of all those Celtics guards and wings, who do you think averages the most combined steals and blocks per game? Uh, it, it's gotta be, oh, well, um, I was going to say smart, but when you, when you said stocks, it's probably Tatum because he, I know he gets more blocks than all of them. The guards don't get as much and I th- think he's over a steal. So I would say Tatum, but wow. I love, I love how you said smart because as, as, I'm, as we've covered before, I don't like the Celtics, uh, but I love <laughs> basketball and Marcus Smart is the best defender in the league this year and he should get the, um, the defensive player of the year award, or at least be in in the conversation. And Jason Tatum, he's a stud. And I'm glad that last year's letdown is a thing of the past. And now he's back on track and this is his team. Wow. Major props to you in two categories. (laughs) First of all, you get the trivia question, right? Um, I think most people would have probably guessed Marcus Smart because of his steals. I think that's probably who I would have guessed. But you're right. Tatum is over a steal per game. He gets 1.4, and he averages 0.9 blocks more oh, than those other guys. Yep. I didn't. So I thought he would be high, high zeros, but I didn't know. Like just under one. That's good. Yeah. So that's 2.3 stocks per game. So uh, you know, on a site like FanDuel, you get three points for each of those. That's an average of almost seven points from steals and blocks per game. So that's something to keep in mind. Um. And great that you would recognize Smart for his defensive (laughs) (laughs) performance. And we also should, of course, mention that he's announced that he has uh, recovered from COVID-19. So uh, certainly that's the most important thing we can say about him is he's healthy. And he's been one of the guys who's been out on the front, um, you know, encouraging people to stay home and and, uh, keep that social distancing. So uh, great to hear that. Um, In terms of the usage... We should break that down a little bit because it is one of those million-dollar questions. Who do we play from the Celtics and when? So I broke it down a little bit with uh, stats on which one of those four guys is out. How do we react to that? So if Tatum is off the court, Kemba gets a monster bump. He's up to 32.7 in usage. And... Hayward gets a monster bump. He goes from 20.9 up to 24. So both of those guys get uh, a significant boost. And so with Tatum off the court, I'm gonna I'm gonna look to play one or both of those guys. Jalen Brown does get a boost also with Tatum off the court, but you know, get, getting back to the fact that Jalen Brown doesn't have any games over 50 fantasy points, I'm gonna continue to fade him down the stretch. And if if I'm going in that mid-tier price for a Celtic. I'm going to continue to pick Hayward over Jalen Brown. I like that. You're you're a GPP guy, so it makes sense to go for those ceiling games. Right. And Hayward is one of those guys that he's he's kind of perfect for that because you'll see, you know, a fair number of games where he's it's a little bit of a dud. He might only give you high mm-hmm. 20s, low 30s fantasy points, but he'll he'll get you over 50 now and then. So, uh I, I do prefer him. Next guy on the list, with Kemba off the court, Tatum gets a monster boost. And, and I should say in general, with Kemba 
or Jalen Brown or Hayward off the court, Tatum jumps over 30% in usage. Wow. Whereas before, <laughs> on average, he's only 28.6. So Tatum is much more of a target with any of those three guys that are off the court. So uh, with Kemba off the court, Tatum goes to 32.8, and Hayward gets a, a boost also up to 22.3. With Jalen Brown off the court, again, Tatum gets over 30. He gets up to 31.1. Hayward goes to 24.2. Kemba is very steady. Uh, doesn't get much of a change, which makes sense because you know he continues to be the starting point guard, gets his normal rest. Um, it doesn't affect as much what he's doing uh, with Jalen off the court. He's just going to distribute to somebody else on the wing like like Hayward. And then finally, with Hayward off the court, Tatum jumps to 31. Kemba, again, pretty steady. He goes up a little bit to 29. So uh, those are the takeaways that I want to share in terms of you know changes in usage when one of those guys is off the court. Yeah, that's 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 very interesting. And it, it's funny that um, both we were doing the Raptors and Celtics today. They're both in pretty similar like situations. Uh, they're only three games back in the standings. They're both in the same division. We'll get the obvious out of the way. But uh, yeah, they both had their their top four or five guys miss a lot of games. And it's the usage depend and who you're going to target that on a particular night will depend on who's missing that, what game. But this, the, what differentiates them is the Raptors are more of your traditional one through five team. They have centers, they have they have forward center hybrids, they have your wings, and they have guards and combo guards. Um, like Van Fleet and Lowry are combo guards. Powell's a wing guy. Siakam Ibaka are those forward center hybrids. But the Celtics are they have they don't have those big men. They don't have like Daniel Tice, Robert Williams, Enos Cantor. They're traditional or more traditional big men. They don't really have usage like Siakam or Ibaka. Um, and Jalen Brown, Smart, Hayward, Walker, Tatum, all the guys you're mentioning, pretty similar. I mean, you have the combo guard guys and the wing guys. So it's it's just weird how they're all missing a bunch of time. They both have their star players missing time and um, usage differentiates. But for the Raptors, it's, it's different because they have mo- more of a balanced lineup. And the Celtics, everybody is a similar player, like Hayward, Jalen Brown, Tatum. They're all those – they started as two guards, and now they're working their way towards four, uh, like a, a three or a four because of today's NBA. Kemba Walker, Marcus Smart. Kemba can play shooting guard, point guard. Marcus Smart can play wherever you want to put him. But, yeah, they <laughs> they mesh they're, – they're more um, even in terms of how they play and um, how, how the team works. Yeah, the, yeah, I like that um, the general description there, and and I'm glad you mentioned the Boston Bigs. I want to throw in a, a couple stats here with the Bigs, with Tice and Cantor. You, you usually see Tice more expensive, um, and sometimes a decent gap between the two. But uh, there's not much of an edge in in average fantasy production. Tice averages 23.62 on DraftKings and Cantor averages 21.16. So just two and a half points difference. And over on FanDuel, it's about a three point difference. But one of the reasons for that is that Cantor leads the team in rebounding, 
even though he only plays 17 and a half minutes a game, he gets 7.7 rebounds. How about that? Yeah, he's 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 always shown that throughout his career too. It, uh, he gets a lot of offensive rebounds. I don't know what it is. He he gets in good position, and he gets he, throughout his career he's gotten a lot of offensive rebounds, and his rebounds per minute production has been really good. Uh, he's he's always been that near or better double double type player. But the reason why people don't really want or use him much, and why the Celtics don't use him much, is because he's kind of slow lately, and he doesn't protect the rim as a traditional center would. So it gets you those easy buckets in the paint, doesn't stretch the floor, and he'll get rebounds and offensive rebounds. But he doesn't do much else that will give you 35 minutes a game. Yeah, you're right. He's not really that strong defensively, but he averages 2.8 offensive rebounds per game, which is uh, yeah. which insane. Is insane in only <laughs> 17 minutes. Yeah, that in only 17 minutes. If you put that into the per 36, it's almost that's almost six offensive rebounds a game, which right. is wow. Yeah. Some people don't even – some bigs like Brooke Lopez, does, I don't even think he gets six rebounds a total a game. Period, right? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so a lot of fun stats there. Um, well, let's let's chat a little bit where everybody can find you on social media because you are a – you're a three-sport analyst, really. You're, you're a multi-sport analyst, um, basketball, baseball, football. You're going to do huge things for DFS Coach Talk. We haven't even mentioned one of your passions in wrestling, but um, <laughs> where can where can folks find you on social media? So I currently only have a Twitter. Um, I think I made it last December, and I just started getting back in the Twitter thing. But uh, my name is Santino Cacone on Twitter, S-A-N-T-I-N-O-C-A-C-C-O-N-E. Uh, that's my name, and you just put the sign in front of it, and that's how you find me on Twitter. But uh, be- before we get into that, I did want to ask you one question because yeah. it was something that – I thought the Celtics were going to do, and I thought uh, Ainge was going to pull the trigger on, and I was surprised that he didn't. But their biggest weakness is for the Celtics is a center spot. And when you saw what Andre Drummond got traded for, a bag of peanuts and like a second-round pick, what happened there? Because I thought the Celtics have – I mean, he, he could opt out of his contract, and even if they did, they could have been in the um, – they would have been in the luxury tax next year, but they had room to play with this year to trade for Andre Drummond and go all in this year and then decide what happened. Um, Ainge has been stockpiling draft picks for years now. Why do you have a reason of why they didn't try and get Drummond or maybe they did, but it seemed like if they gave a first round pick or a first round pick and say like Grant Williams or somebody, Carson, a, a bunch of, prospects and a first rounder or maybe a second rounder as well in another draft that they should have attacked for Andre Drummond and got someone a better Enos Cantor a better rim protector and at least someone where they could count on down low yeah he would make a big change in the middle wouldn't he yeah. um I I and you and you got to figure that the Celtics potentially or, or other teams around the league saw the results of that trade and just <laughs> their mouth, their jaw just dropped. Like, are you kidding me? That's all that Detroit got for him? I mean, right. you know, one angle is just the the Dan Gilbert angle, you know, his connection to Detroit. Maybe it was just Detroit and Cleveland, you know, just sort of helping each other out as small market teams and Detroit not wanting to give such a superstar to a big market team like the Celtics. Um, 
but yeah, because I, I, I can't imagine that that's the best offer they got. It's certainly not the best offer they could have gotten. Yeah, it's, um, it's very hard to think that they couldn't have topped that for a guy in his prime right now. And he's yeah. been leading the league in rebounds for like years now. But he would have made a perf- – for the four guard, for the breakdown that you gave for the Celtics and Tatum, Walker, Hayward – Brown, Smart, all those guards, you put a guy who cleans up the glass and is not dead weight kind of, but you, you put a dominant center like that in, in that mix, they would have made a lot more noise. Yeah, that would be an interesting weapon to have. Um, it would certainly change the team dynamic a lot. I think they like how Tice is a guy who can f- facilitate. You know, He's much better mm-hmm. at handling the ball, passing the ball, shooting the ball. Let's see, he is – he's 32% from three-point land, and he's 76% at the line. And we know that Drummond isn't even close to those numbers. And I think that would be one of the reasons why the Celtics might not go down that road. I mean, they mm-hmm. they seem to value you know, things like a strong free-throw percenting – free-point free-throw percentage. <laughs> I think you were jumbling which, them. I liked it. <laughs> uh, they, they, I guess they value all of them. I mean, they like good shooters, which is yeah. good because I, I, I support that as well. But I have faith in Danny Ainge and Mike Zarin and the guys in that front office that, um, you know, they would certainly unleash some of those assets that they have in their arsenal to get a top flight player like Drummond if if they thought it was the right fit. You know, turning back the clock a little bit, I thought they might go after Vucevic last offseason. Ooh. I thought he would be the perfect fit for them because he can handle it. He can shoot it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they ended up using that money for Kemba, which, you know, I think the the surprise factor there or the the factor that you can't really quantify is his impact on chemistry. I think he's a perfect fit, a complete 180 from Kyrie Irving. So I think all in all, you know, for, for all the Celtics fans out there, I think they're pretty happy with that decision because I mean you just can't deny the positive impact that Kemba has had on that locker room compared to what was happening with Kyrie yeah um the Vucevic would have been a really good call too but the only difference is you would have had to lock him down for a a long time I mean if you Kemba and Vucevic but um yeah the Kemba Walker has been really good for that city um I'm from Connecticut I'm a UConn guy I have nothing but respect for Kemba and everything he's done so I love that call and you mentioned it. Daniel Tice is, is a pretty good player. He doesn't do anything great, but he doesn't do anything bad either. He's a very good role player. He knows what he has to do on the court, and he knows where he has to be. So that's a good call. And maybe you, you mentioned Kyrie Irving. Maybe um, Stevens and Ainge and everybody uh, thought when they brought in Kyrie Irving, they had a really good season without him, and then they brought him in, and then everything changed. Like Isaiah, the team was really good with Isaiah. Then Kyrie Irving came in still pretty good then he got hurt and then they still made noise and then he was healthy last year dynamic and everything changed maybe they didn't want that again maybe they thought Andre Drummond would be more headache than help so that could have been another factor but yeah we'll we'll have to see if that was the right call and they are as you mentioned top 10 in the league in offense and defense or top yeah top 10 so they're one of the best teams out there and they have just as good of a chance as anybody else in the east and I think they have a shot yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I hope for all of our sake that we get a lot of regular season and a real postseason to see 
how this plays out, especially with these two teams and if they're healthy. Because, you know, as we've discussed, both Toronto and Boston have been decimated by injury. But it's going to be a lot of fun to see them potentially match up in the playoffs and then see whoever can survive that, see how they see how they match up against Milwaukee with the right to go to the finals. Yeah, I think the the West is – I don't want to say cut and dry, but I don't think someone out of the Staples Center can make it out of the West. Um, maybe it's a little Laker bias in me, but the, <laughs> the Clippers and Lakers look like hands down the best two teams. But in the East, I mean, you have the – I think the Bucks. they have the advantage, but they were this good last year, and um, they got – crushed by the Raptors but you have the Bucks, Raptors Celtics Sixers Heat and the Pacers if they get healthy I know they lost Lamb but this is pretty good for Victor Oladipo maybe give him some more rest get back into the swing of things Brogdon will get healthy um, those are those are five good teams that could five six good teams that could make some noise yeah I think my one wild card out west is actually Houston I, I like their experiment. I know they've hit a bit of a mm-hmm. lull here recently, but I I just again hope we get you know a legitimate postseason to see what Houston can do and see if they can snag the Western Conference crown from those Staples Center teams. I like that as a sleeper team. There that experiment. I mean, they had to do something, right? Uh, they tried to do the Warriors' way. They don't have the the sheer talent that the Warriors have, but those two guys, when Harden and Westbrook are on. That team is hard to beat. And I like how I've always been a huge Westbrook guy. I've always said that he's one of the top three, five talents in the NBA. And when he was when he was before he started doing those triple doubles, I said the only person I would always say the only person that can guard Russell Westbrook is Russell Westbrook because he takes some <laughs> terrible shots. Yes, he but does. I, but I like how lately um, since they started going with the small ball lineup, he's stayed away from those quick three pointers and three pointers in general or have been down. Because he used to just dribble up the court and then stop and chuck it. And they were always bad shots. But lately, they've played better because he stopped taking those unnecessary shots. And they've have they've have a good chance to get out there. I just don't – it's very hard for them to beat the Lakers and Clippers, in my opinion, because you have people who can lock down um, Harden and or Westbrook, especially the Clippers. They have George and Kawhi Leonard – they could lock down those two. And then if they, those two aren't scoring, who else is going to score on that team regularly? Yeah, you're right. The defensive matchups would be tough. Um, but that's funny that you're a Westbrook fan because I have never been a Westbrook fan. So sort of, <laughs> we get back to the Celtics Lakers here. Uh, I guess we have the, the differing viewpoints on, on Westbrook. Um, well, <laughs> we, we may have to save that for another day, but I do want to get back into one more potential rivalry. I, I noticed on your Twitter, um, did you make a reference to being a Parcheesi champion? Oh, yes. So okay. back in my days when, when I was in China for a couple of years, we there's not there's not much to do for games-wise and whatnot. So I always downloaded, I downloaded Parcheesi on my phone. I like board games and whatnot. And I got... I won, at one point I won like 115 straight games. I don't wow. know what. Yeah, I was I was an absolute monster. It took me. I played a lot. Let's <laughs> just just say I played a lot, but I've I learned a bunch of strategies and whatnot and what I was doing and what worked. So throughout the quarantine, I was like, oh, let me let me you know what let me try and download it again. It took me about 15 or so games. I like to play the two-player games because they just go quicker. When you play four, it could last like an hour and a half. I don't always have that time to just sit around and play it. But um, yeah, it took me a, 
a handful of games to get back in the swing of things. But now that I'm back, if 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 you're saying you want to play some Parcheesi, I'm 100% down. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is a blast from the past. I'm also huge into board games. I haven't played it in a long time, but you know, you, you mentioned the, the quarantine situation here. We've been playing board games with our kids who are only four and six. So we're playing games like Sorry. And that's the one <laughs> when I was a kid that I was pretty dominant at. Did you ever get into Sorry? It's kind of – it's similar to Parcheesi, but – yeah. A little different, but yeah, I've I've played Sorry before. I love I'm actually love all board games, but um, on the I didn't know until a couple years ago that they have them on the phone, and I was like, oh, so I don't need to find four people that want to play these board games with me. I could just download the app and play with <laughs> randoms. This is fun. I can play whenever I want. Yeah, that's fun. I didn't know you had Parcheesi on the phone either. So, <laughs> uh, but that's what you get. Fun facts here when you tune into DFS Coach Talk <laughs> and follow Santino on Twitter. Um, you can also follow me on Twitter at Language Olympic. And the rest of the basketball squad here, the coach, of course, is at J-O-E-S-A-R-V-A-D-I. The man, the myth, the legend, Micah Patria, is at M-I-K-E-A-P-O-T-R-I-A. In terms of general housekeeping and announcements, tomorrow we have the Milwaukee Bucks, the aforementioned Milwaukee Bucks, and the Golden State Warriors. We'll be breaking those down. Um, if you've enjoyed this content, please give us a thumbs up, a like, positive rate and review wherever you may be listening to us. You can find us everywhere that podcasts are found. We do have a website at dfscoachtalk.com. We invite you to come check that out. We're just starting to put some articles on there. That's also where you can go if you want to become a member. We have weekly, monthly, and yearly memberships. And if you do join, the membership will be frozen for as long as we don't have sports. So you can come and become a, a member in our Discord where we chat throughout the day every day with our members. And we have fun contests and giveaways. So certainly recommend that. Um, let's see. Santino, am I forgetting anything else? Any final thoughts? Um, yeah, we'll, we'll be doing podcasts every day like uh, you mentioned we still want to get them up every day. We're going to finish out the NBA season. I know we're going to hit MLB after that. And I know you personally are going to hit NFL, and I can't wait to talk more hoops and more gridiron, more the diamond, whatever you want to call it for sports. I can't wait to talk with you. <laughs> <laughs> and it, was a, it was a pleasure to do this one with you. This is our first time together, and I, I, had, I really enjoyed it. Oh, I did too. Yeah, thanks a lot. And, and you are the multi-sport analyst, so you'll be talking about all those different fields of play as we as we move forward here through this process so thank you to all of our listeners for joining us um that's what makes this special for us um i also want to mention as coach likes to mention that if you want to give to an organization in these times uh, of tragedy and heartbreak you can go to mambaon3.org uh, kobe Bryant's wife set that fund up for the families of the other victims in that helicopter crash so that's m-a-m-b-a-o-n-t-h-r-e-e.org and that'll wrap up today's edition santino yeah I, I just thought of it after i i got one more thing um we're probably in the next two weeks or so i just wanted to let everyone know if you're tuning in and you're in our discord especially we're we're going to do a 
contest and the winner of this contest um i'm not sure the exact date but keep an eye out for it uh, i know coach is going to be on top of this but the winner of the contest we'd love to bring one of our dfs coach talk members on a podcast with one of our pros maybe andrew coach micah patra whoever it may be and um yeah we'd love to we're going to Whoever wins this contest might be on a podcast with with your favorite guys and go over some basketball talk or talk sports in general and how everything's going on. We have a lot of downtime and we love our fans and supporters. So this is something that we were all talking about as a group and we would love to give back to you guys. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to do a lot of fun contests in the near future, a lot of different ways we're going to interact with our uh, our members and then our listeners as well. As you may have heard in recent podcasts, we're going to have some fun guests on from the basketball world as well as outside the basketball world. So make sure to set up a reminder so you get a notification whenever our podcast posts. It usually posts midday or early afternoon on the East Coast. But it is seven days a week, and we have a lot of fun doing it, and we want to thank you again for joining us today. So on behalf of Santino Cocon and the rest of the basketball crew here as we're in the basketball season, uh, Coach, Joe Sarvati and Micah Patria. I am Andrew Hansen. Thank you for tuning in and be sure to tune in again tomorrow for a, another episode of the DFS Coach Talk podcast. Take me to the home.